<laughs> I can hear myself. Am I just not talking loud enough? I'll let them control that. <laughs> but it's a joy to be here with you this morning. Hopefully, uh, you've been blessed as a result of our worship this morning. And uh, you've allowed the Lord to open up your heart to His Word. So let's say a prayer asking for that uh, this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for the safety that you've given us and allowed us to arrive here this morning well and able to worship you. Father, we just thank you for the time that we've had together to lift up uh, to you praises and songs and thanks. And Father, we were just so grateful for the love that you've shown us and, and for the love that you've demonstrated on the cross and dying for us and how we can remember again that sacrifice that you made. And Father, we as we come to the time that we open up your words, I just pray, Father, for open minds and open hearts to bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, again, this morning we'll continue with our look at the Upper Room Discourse of John 13 through John 17. Uh, the last few weeks we've uh, been looking at uh, John 13. We started with uh, uh, John 13, 1 through 17. And I, this morning I've actually got us a little slide for, for an overview to, to help us remember. If, if you've missed a week, I'd encourage you to... Uh, read through these passages so you kind of keep up with us as we go through and continue to go through the upper room discourse. Uh, John 13, 1 through 17, we learn excuse me, about being a humble servant and how Jesus, when he met with his disciples that final night before his crucifixion, he got down on his hands and knees and watched his disciples be humbled himself and became a great example of them of what a servant leader really is and a great example of us of how we should treat by being humble. And then in John 13, 8-38, we learn of the betrayal of Judas and what, how he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And, and yet we find also that that wasn't probably the greatest betrayal that took place, but that we find that uh, Peter himself was going to betray Jesus when he denied him at the uh, night of Jesus' arrest. Then we went to John 14, 1-14, and we, we saw Jesus giving assurances to his disciples. Assurances and reassurances and comfort uh, to be prepared for what they would go through with the loss of his life and the loss of their leader. And then in John 14, 15 through 31, we learned last week that this love, obedience, spirit, cycle, that as we, if we love Jesus, we obey him. And as we obey him, we receive his spirit. And when we receive his spirit, we love him more and obey him more. And receive more, and the cycle gets greater and greater and greater as it goes. So this week we're going <coughs> to build upon that as we look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So if you read this morning, this passage. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be, it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And you will bear much fruit. Those are such powerful words for the life of a believer. Today we're going to look at two aspects of the life of a, of a Christian, the life of someone who's placed their faith in Jesus and has devoted themselves to following him. The first part is living a life in the vine. This is for this is, uh, uh, scripture passage tells us. Live a life in the vine. And the second is how to live a life as a branch. So let's look first at life in the vine. Life in the vine. What does it mean to have a life in the vine? It really means to remain in Jesus. That's what this passage says over and over and over. Remain in me. Remain in my love. Abide in the vine, some of the translations say. Abide in me. And when you do this, I will abide in you. So how do we do this? How do we abide in the vine? How do we live a life rooted in the vine that is Jesus Christ? The vine represents Jesus himself. And so when he says abide in the vine, he's saying be in me. How do we do that? Well, I have a list of things for this morning. And I'm going to give you just a whole bunch of them up here. Uh, basically, these things that I'm going to list are, are called spiritual disciplines. Are you familiar with that term, spiritual discipline? Okay, there's quite a few of them listed in Scripture. And I'm sure there's more even <coughs> excuse me, than what I'm going to mention here this morning. But let's just look at some of these. Uh, let's, let's look at prayer. Prayer is a spiritual, spiritual discipline. Okay? In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Jesus has an expectation on us. God has an expectation that as believers, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer, not just for our own needs, but also for the needs of others. Okay, so one of the spiritual disciplines that we have as believers is to live lives of prayer. I'm sure all of us are familiar with that. It, it doesn't take much uh, information about the church, about Christianity, to know that prayer is a central tenet of our faith, right? Even probably before you were familiar with church, you knew that Christians prayed. Uh, we pray before dinner, we pray uh, to ask God to help us win a football game, we pray all sorts of things, right? But he wants us to devote ourselves to prayer, and prayer for each other. So that's the first scripture this one that we're, we're going to mention this morning. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on these, but I just want to throw them out there, and I'd encourage you, if you want to learn more about what spiritual disciplines are, we have ministries here at the church designed for just that. Things like home groups, and our Bible classes, and mentoring relationships that you might have with people, celebrate recovery, mops, are all of our ladies' Bible studies, men Bible studies, all of these are to help us to develop spiritual disciplines. Here's the next one. Bible reading or Bible study. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. God wants us to know his word. He's given it, given it to us so that we can know him. He knows us already, right? And so he wants us to know him in return. And the only way that we can do that is through study of his word. In such a way that we can represent him accurately to the people we come into contact with on a daily basis. So we're, we're one of our disciplines, one of our, our again, core uh, tenets of our faith is knowing God's word and studying it. 
Here's another one. Um, fasting. Fasting. The denying food to our bodies so that we can understand God's will for our lives better. In Acts chapter 14, it's in verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. So when Paul and Barnabas needed to make an important decision in their lives, what did they do? They prayed, and they fasted, they sought God's will. And that removal of food from their bodies, that denial of selfish needs, we can even call it a need, not just a desire, right? It's a need, the need of food. But forcing that body into subjection so that they have the clarity of thought to understand God's will. It's saying, God, your will and what I seek from you in guidance is more important to me than anything I can put into my life. So fasting. I was recently challenged on this one by a pastor friend of mine who asked me, how many people in my life did I know that fasted as a spiritual discipline? And I know a couple. Now, we're not supposed to. The Bible tells us, don't put it out there before men so that you get recognition, right? This is between you and God. But I know there's one thing that we don't talk a lot about in the church. But it's one of the spiritual disciplines, one of those things that we do to help us to have a better relationship with God. Here's another one. Evangelism. Evangelism. In Matthew 28, that great commission, it says, go, right? It says, go and do what? Make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Right? Go. And so this is an action that actually isn't just inside of ourselves. This is something that takes, makes us take a step forward in our faith. It's an action step where we go out and we tell other people about Jesus. It's a spiritual discipline. It's not easy to do. A lot of these things aren't easy to do. They're not natural for us. We don't just come by them uh, from our nature. They're things that we have to make ourselves do. We have to commit ourselves to prayer. We have to commit ourselves to reading God's word on a regular basis. We need to commit. Fasting is definitely not a natural process. And evangelism, it's uncomfortable. It's something we have to make ourselves do sometimes. Here's the next one. Serving others. Serving others. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, But through love, do what? <coughs> serve one another. Through love, serve one another. And like last week, when we talked about if you love God, you'll obey Him. If you love someone, you will serve Him. It becomes a natural byproduct of the love that we say that we have. I don't know what My list is a little out of order. In the way I have one. There we go. Solitude and meditation. This one is very difficult. Uh, at least for me. If you have any form of ADD whatsoever, this one's going to be very difficult. We, we get so agitated we, when we have to sit still and, and we can't just meditate and focus our attention. We have to be doing something, right? At a uh, mentor retreat recently, we talked about this and the difficulties that come from being alone. Not only is it difficult if we have ADD or, or you're busy, but we have demands that are placed upon our lives, right? We have, we're busy people. Uh, we are living in a culture that everything is rushed, 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 rushed. And yet we have passages like John 1.8 that say, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you can be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I read this a couple weeks ago. What does it say? It says when we meditate, when we take the time to put God first in our lives, what happens? We'll be prosperous and successful. And yet we have a culture that says to be prosperous and successful, we need to work 70, 80-hour weeks. 
we need to get ahead by doing more and, and being out there more. But that's just the opposite of what God's word tells us. Tells us to slow down, to take time to meditate. I'm not talking about uh, a Buddhist idea here of solitude and meditation, but that taking God's word and thinking about it and processing and reasoning and letting it letting it fill our hearts and our minds through regular contact with. I added another one. I don't think this one's up there. Oh, giving. We'll talk about that one first. In Proverbs 21, 26, <laughs> it says, All day long the sluggard craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. They give. Doug, Doug said it very well this morning about our, our giving is an, an act of our love for Christ. And we don't talk about giving a lot out here, financially specifically. We don't try to ask people for money on a regular basis. We don't tell the needs of the church and and, and try to use the pulpit or the stage as a platform for getting you to give more. Because it should be an outflow of your love for Jesus. It shouldn't be something that the pastor or the elder has to come to you and say, are you giving? Are you being disciplined in this? Or are you doing it out of a great heart? But this is spiritual discipline. Giving is a discipline. How about, do we have one more? I think we have one more on this one. I changed my <laughs> How about this one? Nope. Scripture memory. This is the discipline, right? Scripture memory is hard. And one of those scriptures we've been trying to memorize is what? Romans 5.8. Now, I got a little bit of trouble last week because I actually called on someone to say it in service. And I got reprimanded for putting someone on the spot. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it this morning. But can we say it together without it being up on the board? How, well, let's try. How about this? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now there's a reason why I've been pushing us as a body to have a memory verse of the month. Because it's so important for us to put God's word into our hearts. In Psalm 119.11 it says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. This is a discipline that helps us in our, our behavior towards Jesus. So that's why you're going to be seeing this. And we actually have already picked out next month, so be prepared. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but you'll start seeing it pop up. Spiritual disciplines. They're important for our lives. Because they allow us to remain in Jesus. That's their purpose. We have them because they help us abide in the vine. In football... Here it is. I, got, I actually got asked for my football illustration. Where they've gone? I'm trying to hold off on them, but this week is too, too, it works too well. <laughs> when I coach football, we coach the kids in the very basic fundamentals of the game. Very basics. We coach them on what foot to step with. What, how low their, their shoulder pads should be. Uh, what their second step should be. Uh, where their hands should go. We, in the very basic fundamentals of the game, we repeat them over and over, day in and day out, week in and week out, all season long, so that it becomes a routine. Why? Because when they get tired, now their body knows what to do. So that late in the game, like the game we had this last week, the kids were exhausted, they were wet, they were cold, they were muddy, they were beat up, and they were bloody. It's true. And things started to turn against them. But you know what? They didn't have to think about what first step they had to take. They didn't have to think about what, what direction the play was going. 
They didn't have to think about those fundamental issues because we had repeated them over and over and over again until their body just knew what to do, even when their mind was fighting that battle of adversity that they were facing. Their bodies had been trained to respond correctly, even when their mind was struggling. And that's what spiritual disciplines are in our life. They're those things that we have to focus on and do over and over and over and again until they become routine in the life of the believer. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason we do these things. Abiding in the vine. You know, my family this year has had kind of a rough, rough go. Um, my grandma died this summer, and right before my grandma died, uh, my other side of the family, my cousin uh, Jason, might have shared this in one of my sermons earlier this year. My cousin Jason was spending a vacation over in Bend, and actually sisters of Black Butte Ranch. And him and his wife were um, there, and they were riding on a longboard, you know, like a long skateboard. And uh, she decided to go a little further uh, ride down the uh, pathway uh, than Jason did. So he let her go, and he went back to his family. He has a couple small children that he was watching. And so she kept going, and he stayed behind, and she didn't return. Uh, after a long time, he got started to get worried, and he heard an ambulance siren. And so he took off running the direction uh, that she had went. And by the time he got there, the ambulance, the medics were lifting her into the ambulance to take her away. She had fallen, and she had hit her head on the concrete. Uh, they raced to the hospital where she was on life support for several days until they ultimately removed her from that life support. She was I was talking with his, excuse me, I was talking with Jason's mom, Judy, just recently. And she's struggling very, very bad. Uh, she loved her daughter-in-law, Lauren, very, very much. They had a very close relationship. And she, she has been a Christian for most of her life, and, and she was telling me the struggle that she's been having with her faith and her wrestling match that she's having daily with God on why he would take Lauren from her when she had two small children and a loving husband and people who cared about her so And as she shared, she also told me about the things that she's doing right now to kind of take her mind off and how she's serving her son how she's caring for her grandkids, how she's helping other people. And I was struck by the spiritual disciplines in her life that are happening even though she doesn't feel like it. She's faced some tough adversity in her life over the last several months. But because of the spiritual disciplines that she's developed in her life, when her mind is now wrestling and her heart is wrestling with her, even her very faith, her actions are showing disciplines that she's instilled in herself through just these very things right here. Life in the mind promises that we are in Christ, but it also promises that as a result, Christ in us. And Christ in us will sustain us through whatever difficulties that we find ourselves in. As Christians, we're called to a life as a branch, an offshoot of the vine. As Jesus' followers, we are his fruit bearers, and he uses us to accomplish his purposes also. Life as a branch means that we bear spiritual fruit. So the first part of it is that we have spiritual disciplines that keep us in Jesus. But the second part is now that we're in Jesus, we need to bear fruit. In Luke chapter 8, we find the parable of the sower. Are you familiar with that? where the sower tosses the seeds as he plants, plants his crops, and some fall on rocky soil, and, and the, 
the seeds can never get roots and they just are wilted by the sun. And he puts some on the, the uh, soil with uh, thorns and the, the plant sprouts up, but, but they can never grow because they're just been withering fade because of the, the thorns taking nutrients from them. And some of the seeds fall on good soil. And that good soil, the, the roots develop deep and the plant grows and produces fruit. And he's saying that's what we need to be like as Christ follows. We need to produce fruit. In our chapter, we just read that portion of Luke 15, it says those who don't produce fruit are taken off from the line. We have an expectation. I want to challenge you, even when you consider Luke chapter 8 and the parable of the sower, that yes, we want to be like that seed that bears fruit. But I want to challenge you to take it a step further this morning and be like the sower who's planting the seeds that are bearing much fruit. Our job is not just to take God's word into our heart, but to be like the share of others, to be the sower. Life as a branch means bearing spiritual fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this is such a great passage because it tells us what a fruit bearer looks like. What kind of attributes that they have. They're filled with love and peace and patience and kindness. And that's the end result, that's the end goal of all of us as believers should have. To bear fruit, to have these things exhibited in our life. But the only way to do those things is to practice spiritual disciplines. So I have a couple questions here as we end this morning. How do we bear fruit? How do we bear fruit? Well, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I just found that scripture very uh, interesting because it doesn't say that if you if you remain in me and I in you, then you're going to go off and you're going to work hard and you're going to do all these things and that's going to be the result. The, the fruit is going to be the result. It says actually that the action of remaining in him is what will bear the fruit. Does that make sense? It isn't our own effort. It's him bearing fruit in us, through us, refining us, making us uh, have, have uh, good results in our life of peace and patience and kindness. So how do we bear fruit? Well, if you focus on those spiritual disciplines that we mentioned earlier, the result is going to be that's just plain, plain it isn't that we have to go out and love. He's going to show love through us. So why do we bear fruit? Why do we bear fruit? Well, there's two reasons. The first one is this. There's a big why. And that big why is found in John 15, 8. It says it's for his glory. The reason we bear fruit it says, this is for my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the reason we bear fruit in this life is for God's glory. That's the number one reason. But there's a little why as well. So there's a big why to me, and that's his glory. The little why is this, for our own joy. In John 15, 11, it says, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. So we don't bear fruit for our own benefit. Though we do benefit from us, we get joy. We bear fruit for God's glory. Thinking back on my cousin Judy, you know, Judy didn't always feel the love that God has for her. 
She's wrestling with that. She doesn't always feel love towards others. She's wrestling with that. But you know what she does? She, she shows it. She demonstrates it. She lives it on a daily basis. The disciplines in her life when things weren't upside down and turned all around have allowed her to be bearing fruit on a daily basis because of what she practiced when life was going on. You may be in a place right now of growth where you're learning and you're just taking in God's word and this worship and this thing called the church and, and, and you're just growing by leaps and bounds and that's fantastic. Keep on doing that. But you may be in a time of battle like my cousin Judy. You know what? It's not too late to start remaining in God's love. It's never too late to become a part of his life. And the reason that we're here this morning and the reason that we come together is one, to practice those disciplines, but it's mainly to remain in the love of Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you haven't had that opportunity, you've never taken the chance to say, I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I want to experience what it means to have Jesus remain in me. Then, then please, don't hesitate to contact us. Please don't hesitate to talk to someone in your life that you know has a spiritual maturity that can help you out. This morning I have a couple ticket home schools. The first one is the same one we've had all week, or all, all month. Memorize Romans 5, verse 8. Put that word deep in your heart and never forget it. Because that message of God's love for us is so vitally important to everything we do. It should motivate every action we have, every thought that we have in the course of our life. Next one is this. Practice one of the spiritual disciplines that you need to be laughing at. Okay, find one of them. But it can be kind of overwhelming when we look at this list of eight or nine or ten or more spiritual disciplines and go, man, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need it any of those. Right? I'm struggling with all of those. Find one this week. Maybe it's reading your Bible. Okay, maybe it's, it's uh, committing to pray each night before you go to bed. And asking for the Lord's will in your life. Pick one this week and work on it. Here's another one. Encourage someone you know this week who is very spiritual. Okay, sometimes life is about, right? I just mentioned it. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to encourage my cousin Judy and say, you're doing a fantastic job. Uh, you're doing better than anybody can ever do in such a situation. And while you may be discouraged right now, you're encouraging hundreds and hundreds of other people through your actions. And you have the opportunity this week to do that for some of us. Be that encouragement. To someone in your life. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we thank you, Father, for your promise that as we remain in you, that you will remain in us. And when you're in us, we know that we'll bear much fruit. And Father, I just pray this week as we go about everything that we do, that one of those spiritual disciplines will be something that you'll convict our heart. Maybe it's uh, spending more time in the world. All of us can do that. I just pray, Father, for each and every person that as we go out and we be the church, that you'll just help us to demonstrate your love for this community like you demonstrated your love for us. God, we give you our lives, we give you our brains, our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirit, every single part of us to use this. In Jesus' name.